When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into Eleven Personnel. Happy to be here on what is it? Wednesday. We're in 2023. Damn, look at how long we've been doing this thing now. For a while. Yeah. Good long hot minute. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I'm Nick Roush. He's Adam Luckett. New year, new us, new podcast. Uh, we haven't gotten to the KSR football podcast yet. We'll do another one of those. Maybe after the national championship. We'll see how we're feeling. Um, I am feeling like hell. Uh, shout out to a good old fashioned uh, Nashville. It's not even like the Nashville sickness. Like it, I, I, I've been hacking a long way forever, but we're powering through. We're drugged up because there's been some stuff that has happened since the Music City Bowl that we got to get to. And we should probably talk about the Music City Bowl one more time. Although, like it, I never want to talk or think about that Music City Bowl ever again. Well, good thing. Now is they can't go back to the Music City Bowl for like three or so years. So, well, I, that's a I don't think here. they could play Iowa again, but well, you know, <laughs> it happened. Yeah, we've. I don't really want to parse through my. I gave all my thoughts on that, like right when the bowl game was announced. Uh, not to toot my own horn, I said it was a huge mistake. They shouldn't be doing this. It makes no sense, and I think that I think that all played out like. Um, that was the I just I just don't know. I guess if the game goes another way, like you you could say Kentucky hang in there, but but that was just a dreadful kind of game and performance and all of that. It just it was just hard. it was a hard to watch. Well, and more and it, and it was ahead. even worse for me, like because I felt like we knew what was going to happen. Like it wasn't it was it was the bad uh, high school play that you just you know what's going to happen, but you just kind of show up anyway, just. To, to be nice but like mm-hmm. it, it, it wasn't it wasn't an enjoyable experience it was the worst ex- bowl experience of the mark stoops era yeah and i think it was overall it was just this was very much a hard season to watch right like uh, a lot of disappointment a lot of frustration a lot of why are they doing this why, why mm-hmm. isn't this working and it was just kind of the season was a slog and it ended with the ultimate slog of a bowl game it's just it's just really frustrating. Like you you know, you look back at the year and the offense just really let the team down. Um, there were special teams issues, obviously, but like if the offense is just a little bit better, those don't keep Kentucky from winning games. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was really my biggest issue was just how why was the offense this bad? You know, they got to fix it, and then just the whole year. I think you know they were behind, like. Go back where we were last, this time last year. You know, they signed that really good recruiting class. The, the vibes were great. The vibes were strong, Nick. Like, going into the draft, then we get all this Will Levis buzz, and that drives us through the offseason. But then you're getting in the summer, and, like, recruiting goes really slow. And then that just kind of, to me, that kind of parlayed into the season. The season was just like, oh, well, we'll get the offense fixed. You know, like, you know. It'll, it it'll get good. there eventually. It doesn't look great right now. Um, oh, you all came in the spring. It doesn't look great. It's pro offense, but just give it time. 
Oh, you y'all here for practice in the for summer camp? Oh yeah, we're just working through some things. But just, There's just some injuries. They'll be fine. And it just never got it. You know, they never got any better. It was just like all the problems in April were the same problems. And then like you add in like the recruiting stuff. Uh, like on paper, the class, you know, it goes with like their historical norms. This, this 2023 recruiting class, but there's a, I think there's big reasons to be maybe a little bit worried. Like you had a lot of momentum here, and you didn't really cash in on it. You got a tough ass schedule coming up in 2023. Well, and and I would also say too that like even though you get the historical average, you needed linemen. Right, like you, you didn't really get any. Right, you, you got, got Kobe Keenum is like maybe your one bankable trench player that you feel like is going to be yeah. a contributor. I mean, like yeah, Malachi Wood a tackle. It's the only real tackle you got. That that kid is like a, that's uh, more of a he's very much a stash player, right? You're banking on him developing in your system, um, but there's a lot that I would probably have to bounce right for you there. No, it, yeah, you didn't get any tackles. Now you look at the defensive line. They only signed one player on the defensive line, Nick. Um, Tavian Getson, you know, that, that room has got guys in it, and we'll talk about that room here in a little bit. But, um, you know, the, it could be a sign that their line of scrimmage recruiting is kind of getting in trouble. You know, you got to worry about that moving forward. So there is just like – I. This is like a huge season, one way or the other. Um, and we, we've seen kind of the noise with the NIL stuff and getting that fixed. It seems like they have gotten some of that fixed, and they did a good job in the portal here. But they've got to get this stuff corrected, especially on offense. they got to be able to score points, man. It just If they don't, like the season could really get ugly next year because you're playing a tough-ass schedule. Yeah, so, it, like, the, the – the, you look back now, that schedule really – it really played out like we thought it would. Like, Georgia was the one big juggernaut, but Ole Miss totally tanked mm-hmm. to end the season. They just did it a little bit later than I thought. Uh, Mississippi State was good, which we thought, but Kentucky got them in a good spot. Missouri was 500 team. Vanderbilt was improved, but still was a team you should beat. South Carolina was just kind of a – you know, they finished 8-5. and five. That was a game at home you should have win. Like – there was a lot of things I think going your way. You got a down Florida team on the road early. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of you had a big games. spot for Tennessee. I mean, that would have been tough, but you yeah. had a big spot there. But uh, you had uh, everything was there to really go nine and three or ten and two again, and they just didn't. And that's really I think the the, fr- the most frustrating part about this year was it was all there and they just couldn't grab it. And not to get too ahead of ourselves because we might as well like i don't want to talk about that music city ball it sucked it was it was not fun to watch yeah i um, mean it just is what it, it, it is what it it was everything yeah. we said it would be yeah <laughs> you it know was just, it, it was lived up it lived up to its reputation um one team got a, a lead then they got a turnover and the game was over yeah like, literally because yeah. neither of those offenses were scoring probably 14 points it would have took them 30 possessions probably to get 14 it, points on one of those two defenses i was defense ranked first in sp plus and kentucky's ranked third in the final rankings like that. You had two really good defenses against two bad offenses and Kentucky's offense had a kid making his first career start against Iowa against that defense, which was just, that was just a really hard ask at Destin Wade. I will say this about Destin Wade before we get to kind of big picture offseason storylines and then the Justin Rogers news. Um, Destin Wade, I was actually pleasantly surprised by because you said his stats in our Music City Bowl preview, and he had twice as many rushing yards as he did passing yards in high school. 
was in high school. And when he went in there, he he did not look like they 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 didn't like use him like Lynn Bowden. And I thought that's what we might have to see was some sort of Lynn Bowden esque triple option looking stuff. But like no, they let him play quarterback, in, yeah. Yeah, like they they let him play quarterback. And I thought he didn't do a very bad job. Like he obviously made those mistakes. One of them was an execution error on a throw, and the other one was a bad decision. Like it, he he just they they, they it was very anti-stoops to call for a pass on third and long, back up in your own end zone with a minute or two to go. So, like, you know, that, 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 and all, they asked him to do everything against a defense that allows nobody to do anything. And he did okay. He did okay. He got himself out of trouble. And so I'm not, um, I don't have an answer. Like, I, I would have liked to have known. Can he be a backup quarterback one way or the other coming out of this game? I, I still don't know the answer to that, but I actually am more optimistic about him as a passer than I was previously. We're going into the season. I was like, well, he's going to be a great H back or, you know what I mean? Like I was already slotting him into not being a quarterback, but like his composure back there and his arm, like, I mean, overthrowing Barry on Brown is not an easy thing to do. Like it, he did it a couple of times. So I, I actually, thought that uh with all the circumstances like I can at least tip my virtual cap to Destin Wade and uh at least want to see more you know especially in the, in that spring game my parting thoughts were I like I could picture him playing winning football as a quarterback for a power five team I just don't know if it's going to be in the type of offense that Kentucky runs right now like I could see him being in maybe a run heavy that involves quarterback run offense and then they use just play action to take vertical shots, right? So like a run heavy, like an Eddie Grant offense almost. If, if that worked out, like or like they were like a Kyle Shanahan offense. <laughs> but I was like, like you, like Kansas State is one I think of. If anybody's watched Kansas State this year, very run heavy, and then they're they're all their play their pass game is very play action, deep shot driven, and that's kind of a scheme I could see Destin Wade succeeding in. Um, but I don't know if it's going to necessarily like any type of pro-style attack, which is what I think Kentucky's going to run here with Cohen. I just don't know. I, it's hard for me, I guess, see, to see that right now after one game, but it's a small sample size. Right. Um, but, Maybe in a pinch, though, you kind of adjust some things. Yeah. Um, he's got a big arm. You know, he's a big body. He can move around a little bit. So there, there's there's tools there, but I think they're like the, the first interception, that's the big worry for him, just kind of the accuracy, intermediate, short game to intermediate accuracy. Like he just totally overshoots. Mm-hmm. Dang key throws it above right and behind them, and it just right to the safety. They're in zone coverage. You're just waiting for it. That's the kind of stuff you can't have. That ball's got to be really. It's got to be on the money nine times out of ten. And if you miss, it's got to be a low miss. You can't miss high against zone coverage. So the the points you made though about the offense, um, Kentucky was able to. Kind of, uh, it's not necessarily what they did in, under Liam Cohen with Will Levis, but it was very much a let's give Chris Rodriguez the rock, and then we'll we'll, we'll take some deep shots. They end up not taking as many, but then we're going to force feed Wondell Robinson as part of our passing game. I think the biggest storyline this offseason is the the questions about Liam Cohen. Uh, it's Wednesday. We're probably going to get official word what Monday or Tuesday of next week. I would imagine like it. With a press yeah, I would imagine the, the 9th or the 10th, we will have yeah. something by then. 
So really the biggest overall question is like, I mean, the Rams stunk this year. You can blame it on injuries, but like how much of Kentucky's success with Cohen to climb as high as they did. And I forget their SP plus finish. Was it 25th on offense? Yeah, they're right there at 25, I think. Yeah, some somewhere in that ballpark. Which, by the way, uh, th- third-ranked uh, defense, 97th-ranked offense uh, in SP plus. Best defense in the SEC, worst They offense. were 21st last year in SP plus offense. Yeah. They never had a top 50 SP plus offense, and William Cohen had a top 25 one. How much of it was predicated, though, on two of the best – you know, the, the single season receiving record holder and the third best rusher of all time. like And that, pros on the offensive line, too. That's true. Yeah, you had you had all-American uh, offensive tackle and Darian Kennard, and you, you got a all-rookie guy and Luke Fortner there at center. So how, how much of it was just predicated on those two or three guys doing everything for you? And can that – how well does that – how well does it work without him? You know, like that. I feel like those are the the fair questions that we, frankly, probably won't have, know the answer to until about week five because they don't play anybody to start the season next year either. Yeah, it's also I think probably a good thing that they get this runway to figure mm-hmm. some stuff out with all those question marks. But I do think you got to like the offense this year had a in a, a first round draft pick at quarterback and couldn't figure it out. So, like, you got to play to your strengths. And I think Cohen has proven in his one year he was able to do that. And so I think, yeah, from what we've seen, he he was able to figure it out and do what it takes to make this team successful. And he showed, I think, the ability to adjust, right? You know, whether it was leaning into player strengths, it was riding Wandell, getting him touches, it was riding Chris, getting run game, it was – Growing with Levis, who was going through growing pains as a first-year starter, um, and they closed the season strong. Nick, like they, what they score, like at, I think they scored thirty-five plus every game, and then put twenty on a top-five Iowa defense in the bowl game. So they they were at their best at the end of the year, which is all what you know where you always want to be. I would the only uh, the only thing that what didn't get better was their explosive passing game, though. They're like yeah, yeah, the, the shots downfield, did but even go away. like. Josh Ali had a really good year, right? And he missed three or four games. If he doesn't miss those games, he probably goes for 700 yards receiving. And then we're having, you know, then you're just thinking about it a little different. Well, he had two guys. Right, right. You know, and then you throw in all the tight end receptions they have. I believe they had like 35, 40 tight end receptions. Like, they very much force-fed Wandale, but some of that was by – Forced there in the middle of the schedule because they didn't have their number two, their only other proven receiver. They had to force feed him in the passing game. They didn't have any other choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think for me, that was that was the I think the big thing with Cohen. He just showed he could adjust in that. And it was only one season, but we're coming off a season where that I don't think there were uh, adjusting was an issue to personnel to the college game to multitude to practice times probably to multitude of things. And so I think that's a big thing going forward. And Cohen's familiar with all this personnel Kentucky has on the team. This is true. He recruited Tavian Robinson. He recruited Barry and Brown. He recruited Dan Key. You know, he, he uh, might maybe recruited Devin Leary <laughs> behind the scenes. 
so that he has his fingerprints are all over the offensive roster already, even though he wasn't with the program last year. Wow. Wow. Um, I am, uh, there, there's some random breaking news that distracted me there for a moment. That's like just other drama elsewhere. That's very hilarious where a soccer dad is trying to bribe or not bribe. He was basically trying to blackmail the U S soccer coach. Cause he didn't play his kid in the world cup. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Um, that's a funny. So if you want to go into that, dig it up on ESPN. That, that's that's some wild drama. We we have plenty of wild drama elsewhere. There's a couple other storylines, though, uh, this offseason that I think are going to be a point of focus. Uh, I'm saving one for the end. But defensively, as good as they've been, do we – do we think they have enough playmakers uh, on that side of the ball to keep this momentum going? Cause like, it's, it's really hard to do what they've done without them. Um, but like if your offense isn't going to be good, then you need them to create some turnovers. And that's really the one part that, that, that they haven't been good at under yeah. Brad White. And even, you know, when you look at like sacks tackle for tackles for loss, like aside from the Calvin Taylor year, like that, they've, been middle of the road or bottom of the pack in, in those two categories, those havoc stats that they, they just haven't really been there the last couple of years for the cats. Yeah. Can they still be successful um, without the vets uh, next year? Can they have enough playmakers to make some plays? Yeah. See, like going in the media days last year, my big thing was, I just didn't know if Kentucky had star power. I think that, I thought they had a high floor on defense, but now I like I'm entering this year feeling like they got some like stars potentially on the defense. I mean, obviously, Big number zero is number one. Mm-hmm. That's who you start yeah. with, Deion Walker. If you get a fully healthy J.J. Weaver for a season, if you can get him no injuries, you can see him putting it together. You can see him putting a 10-plus tackles for lost season. You can see him getting seven, eight, nine sacks. You can see him being a playmaker for you. You know, Trevor Wallace has got areas he's got to improve. Uh, I think notably playing in the box against the run is an area he needs to get better at. But – he has playmaking potential, and we've seen it. Two, two interceptions this year, mm-hmm. Nick. Uh, you know, we've seen him flash and make plays. Like, that's a guy you can see turning into just a star if the light comes on for him. And then even the secondary, I think, like Jordan Lovett. He's got, you know, he's flashed. So is Zion Childress. Yeah. Uh, but Lovett more, like, Lovett's a younger guy, so I don't know if it's going to come next year, but you can see, like, I could picture him turning into an all-SEC player here at Kentucky. Um, back there at free safety. Like he, for a young player, he was, and he, they kind of had to throw him in after the Geiger injury. He played really well. And then, you know, then Childress, they lost Asian for a little bit, and Childress kept in, and they didn't miss like a beat with Childress mm-hmm. and Love it back there. Um, so that was really good to see. But really, those first three I named well, Deion Walker, Weaver, Trevor then, Wallace, those guys you could see. If it all came to – you could see any of those making the first team all SEC uh, in December next year if they if stuff – if feasible stuff co- comes together for them. And you didn't mention, too, the guy who's probably the biggest game record that missed a season. Like, I don't – what are they going to do with Vito Tisdale? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I think know what's we, gonna happen. we're going to get into this, but I do think – like, there's a lot of talk about we need another uh, need another edge in the portal, need another edge. Um, because all year Kentucky played 
with Weaver and Wright on the field. But I, I think it's important, like, they just signed Keaton Wade and Tyrese Fearbury, both top 200 recruits in the last recruiting class. Like, you got to get your return on investment on that, right? Like, one of those those guys need to play. They're going to want to yeah. play. They need to get on the field. But also, Nick, they got nine safeties on this roster, in, including Todd Dotson. But six of these dudes, I think, need to play it next year. Jalen Geiger, Zion Childress, Vito Tisdale, Jordan Lovett, Alex Safari, Kobe Albert. How do you get them on the field? You play with an extra safety. So I could see them getting back to what they did in kind of 2021 mm-hmm. where they had like a hybrid Sam nickel player. Um, and De- Devontae Robinson played in base, and they brought in a nickel on passing situations. I could see that playing out. Like I could see Alex Safari being like your starting Sam outside linebacker. He made a nice play in the Music City Bowl. Yeah, nice and so – I think that's just the defense is going to look a little different. And you got to just picture who they're playing, permanent permanent opponents, right? You do have to get be able to get big and body body blow Georgia. But Louisville's going to throw the ball all over the yard now, right? You got to deal with that monster at Tennessee. Yeah. Mississippi State's probably not going away from the air raid. Probably not. So you're still going to have to – have guys that can cover there, and you got a lot of safeties that they that, that all play and they need to be on the field. So that's what I think you're going to see more of, kind of like the the three three five four two five whatever hybrid defense uh, next year. Yeah, I mean, and you didn't even mention that Dal Loggins high high powered. Yeah. yeah, we're still waiting on Rattler's announcement. He's yeah, been a little weird when him. they keep asking him about that. Yeah, real bizarre. I haven't heard from him. Man, it was a real shame they lost. I know you were just heartbroken. <laughs> three defensive touch, three defense special teams touchdowns, and couldn't get. The oh, game. that was brutal! I, I love the under in that game, and that thing was toast in the second quarter. I mean, yeah. Jimmy Christ, play some They could not stop Notre Dame. Irish Which, were marching up and down the field. That offense is so bad, too. Like, I, I, I didn't understand it. Um, yeah, Notre also, Dame finally got their quarterback back for that game. That Buckner who started the first game and then got injured. Did you, by the way, see the troll job? That I, I'm curious who it was that South Carolina did it, but they flew a plane over, over the, the Orange Bowl. Yeah, yeah, and it was a plane that had like the writing on the tail end and said "Enjoy your bowl game," and it was to Clemson and Tennessee, who they both beat at the end of the year. Which I doubt that that was, South Carolina actually had something to do with it, but I'm sure there was a money man that that did, right? Yeah, I would yeah. say so. What a, what a jewel. What a gem. Um, the other offseason storyline that I've got lucky that I think is pretty big that might even be bigger picture than this is Justin Rogers enters the transfer portal on Tuesday. And first and foremost, it's just the perfect rock jock, shock jock, sports talk, whatever you want to first take. Kentucky would lead with this because it's it's just perfect because we should start a first take Kentucky. I mean, uh, first Kentucky, um, <laughs> it'll, it'll, we'll just scream at each other, um, until somebody says, sends a bad tweet, but it's, it's a, it's the perfect story because Justin Rogers was this highly sought after recruit five-star guy, highest ranked signee ever. People want to see him succeed. He's at a position that doesn't produce a lot of stats. So like, it's hard to, to really quantify how good he's been without just like, you just say one way or the other whether you think he's been good enough or not, right? Like, nose guard, that's the nature of that position. And then 
you add in the fact that like he finally had a solid year. He's a solid starter. And you don't want to just lose your return on investment, right? Like like you talked about with some of those high recruits earlier. Like you want to see them it, it like come to fruition with a big final year and then they go off to the pros because that's the normal way things go. And then you see the the list of potential suitors from Wiltfong and it's your Georgias, it's your LSUs, Louisville, uh, Michigan State. Like it's all these schools that you compete against recruits for. And when Nil's involved, it's just going to get everybody up in arms. And I love it. Um, personally, like it. It just it's it's the perfect fodder for me. But I think the bigger question isn't about actually Rogers' situation specifically, which we'll get into. But big picture wise, the two highest ranked signees that Kentucky's ever signed in the history of signing, both into the portal this offseason. Like you had these very dramatic recruitments go down to the wire. And yeah. you haven't like you got absolutely nothing out of Goodwin. Who knows what what he's gonna we've heard nothing out of that uh, saga. So like he who knows what's going on there. And then Rogers, you got like maybe a year and a half out of him where you got something out of it, but like it is can Kentucky recruit those guys and can they be successful? I know Brown, Barry on Brown is in that same kind of territory. And he had a couple great games this year. But they did a lot of force feeding with him and he didn't produce. So I, I do think that there is a man, some of Kentucky's best players aren't their best recruits. Yeah. The only thing I will say with Barry, like he did have that Georgia game. Like, yeah, yeah. No, no you know, like we can games. we can talk about Barry and is he tried to do too much, but like put on the Georgia tape, like <laughs> like, let's not like overthink this. I know yeah, there's some yeah. talk going on about like don't let's not overthink this. Like just put on the Georgia tape. Put on the Georgia tape. It just everybody chill out. But yeah, I think right. You you hit the nail on the head here. Like Rogers and Keontae were both like these major recruitments, top 100 prospects. Kentucky's not used to being in these type of recruitments. And they were long and drawn out. Where burying happened, Nick, it would just happen kind of fast in the season. Yeah, yeah. right. You, you got on the right. Ra- Kentucky gets on the radar. You're thinking, okay, oh, we're on the radar, cool. And then it's like, oh, he's visiting. Wow, he's visiting. He's, you know, there's he's not going to Alabama. He's visiting Kentucky, Kentucky TCU, and you get him on campus. And then it, you know he's about to commit. He's about to commit, and he commits, and it just kind of it was different. With, and then it, Rogers and Goodwin, they commit in the spring. And then we have a whole nine months right. of recruiting sites writing articles about where they could flip to. Right, right. And so they were just in the the cycle, the news cycle more mm-hmm. than, than Barry and Brown was just because of that does that, that early commitment. Um, like, Justin Rogers was what he was too as a recruit because of offensive line potential. And Kentucky recruited him as a D-line, let him play D-line. Uh, Justin Rogers was a quality, good player. Here at Kentucky, I mean, he start like he started fifth, started thirteen games this year, and he started two, three, four games last year when Marquand McCall was out with injury. Right. So, like, you're looking at sixteen, seventeen game starter in the SEC. You know, I don't think I ever watched Rogers out there and thought, you know, you know, he didn't belong. And so, a solid lineman with ex- game experience goes into the portal. That's like gold, right? Everybody's looking for quality linemen. I'm not surprised that these big schools are looking at him. 
because everybody needs depth and size and players on the line of scrimmage, especially those programs that have new coaches, or newish coaches, and they're trying to stack their roster with you know all the departures they might have had from the previous regime. Um, so that does not surprise me. To me, it's probably it's probably the biggest loss for in the portal era outside of since Jeff Bidette in the transfer era. Mm-hmm. Like you're losing a starter and a good player, a guy who can play. But with that said, like it's not See, it's not irreplaceable. And and I think there's also something to Luckett that needs to be said that like this is just going to happen. Like if you it, had if you had to rank players of can't lose. Yeah, I mean he's Is he in the top twenty? He's probably in the top twenty, but it's like at the bottom of it. Yeah. You know, he's he's I wouldn't put him like top ten. Um and and the thing for me too, Luckett, is this sort of stuff, like I, I'm trying to think of it on a professional level and the kind of how we weigh it out. In the professional level, how many times does Joe wide receiver say, I, I you know what, I'm not making as much. I want to go, I want to go be a free agent, try to make more money. And you know what? The teams, like the fans are like, okay, see ya. The problem is there's no transparency here. Like, we don't know what the salary cap situation is. And to me, a lot of this looks like Justin Rogers was a Morgan and Morgan billboard as a true freshman, or maybe even a true sophomore, before he even really played, really, right? Like, he was a very billable, bankable star. He's been fine, but he's been usurped by another billable, bankable star on that defensive line. And now he's no longer the... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The bell of the ball. And he thinks he's worth bell of the ball money. And you know what? If you want to go explore it, like you, you, you go ahead. Like that's. That's how I'm, I'm I'm seeing this very much as like we're in the free agency era. Like people are going, you can't re-sign everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't care. I, you always need more money, but you can't re-sign everybody. That's how this works. The, the thing that I do like have a little bit of sympathy for Mark Stoops and everybody out there that's, that's doing all this stuff. I do wonder though, like down the road, you, you shouldn't, it shouldn't be everybody's on one year deals. You know what I mean? Like, you shouldn't be renegotiating yeah, got- everybody's deal year by year, or else they can go in the portal and go somewhere else. Yeah. That, that, that's just that, that's the messed right. up part. Nick, me. we got a little bit of breaking news here. We got to talk about. Okay. Oh, I'll, I'll read it to you. Um, this is from Chris Lowe, ESPN. Jimbo Fisher is finalizing a deal to hire Bobby Petrino as Texas AM's offensive coordinator. And Petrino will it. take over play calling duty. Sources still oh, ESPN. My- he did it. He did it. I cannot wait, man. I oh can't wait God. for that. That is going to be. Oh, my gosh. Man, he's going to get grilled about that immediate days. I cannot oh wait for that. Gosh. Oh, man. Poor Barry Odom. Oh, Odell. my gosh. Wow. 
You want to talk about a quick fail up too? Well, like they have like their head coach is Jimbo Fisher. We don't have to talk about Bobby Petrino. We all know, and then DJ Durkin's the defense coordinator, and he of course was the head coach at Maryland when yeah Jordan Mayer died. And there's a lot of he probably player didn't abuse. do what he was still yeah player abuse yeah. stuff. So that is, um, and then Steve Adazio is the offensive line coach there. That's at a least dude. That's right now, you know, and he's got you know the the Colorado State that was a thing like the player treatment stuff. There is a wow, <laughs> man. Oh man! Wow, that was great timing. Thanks for doing this in the middle of the podcast, Jimbo. Um, because the all right, here, here's my thing, Luckett. So a lot of people say you need to modernize your offense. You need to modernize the offense. Is Bobby Petrino a modern offense? Like he's a better play caller than Jimbo. But yeah, I get I get what you're saying. You know what I mean though? Like yeah, Petrino's best. Years he did, uh, he did, but, um, he did change some stuff with Lamar. I will say that, like, they were doing but some that was also stuff. 2017, that was yeah, six years ago. Um, yeah, yeah, he, and, you got a point there. And he's gonna, this is definitely the one thing that Jimbo at least knows is like two or three years max is Petrino's life. Like, so, like, if he can just give you the bump to get you back on track, then you're fine. But I also am fascinated. Bobby Petrino, this is his first time answering to anybody since he was at Auburn back in, what, 2004? That's 20 years. He hasn't been an offensive – he's been a head coach ever since then. Yeah. So, like, having them screaming at each other on the sidelines, oh, my he, – he's got to be a booth guy, though, right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> just like, to save everybody, he probably oh, just needs to go to the booth. He, he's going to be up in the booth. He's going to call something down, and Jimbo's going to change it, and Petrino's going to be irate. Oh my gosh, this is yeah. It could either like this could either go great or could blow up. <laughs> wow. Oh man. Whew. Okay, so th- th- this is fun. This is fun. But back to Justin Rogers. Um, I know one thing he said. It's not all no related. Um, that's at least what he tweeted. Which you know it may not be. And I could see also him saying like, "All right, knows." Because I, I get the sense like it that five star recruit thinks he's going to spend three years in college and go to the NFL. He he needs another year of college to go before he can go to the NFL. Yeah, maybe he's thinking, all right, I need to play three technique. I can't be a nose guard. Yeah, uh, and I need to go somewhere else to do that. Like I need to be a, in a fourth four down front. Like I need to I need to do something different. And, it, and in that case, like so you know, tell like, me it. Best of luck. Um, I did think like. He wasn't a bum, but he wasn't a great player. He was a fine player who really flashed this year for the first time. Like, yeah, and but one thing I'll say with that is like, we saw what happened with Kentucky's offensive line this year. Um, having qual like being having quality offensive and defensive linemen is not just something to brush over. That's true. It's a good point. You, you need those guys, even if they're not you know superstars. Just being quality and being able to hold up is. You know, what people need. Everybody's like I just said. Everybody's looking for these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody in college football. Um, those big guys are hard to find. Good ones, like quality ones. And Justin Rogers is a quality college football defensive lineman. And so, uh, and I would think that ideally you aren't sliding Dion down there because you he you, you don't want him just eating. Yeah, you want him to eat in blocks. You want him to make plays. Yeah, you want. I, to me, I think Dion Walker. One, they're going to move him around. 
I think they did that this year. I think it's only going to magnify next year. Mm-hmm. But you want to make it so it's not easy to double team him. It's more. It's very easy just to, you know, most blocking schemes you're you're putting. If you got a nose man, he's getting doubled every time. Yeah, at least getting chipped or something. And so it's easier to block double. I would say a guy there, and, and it's in the middle where Dion can, I think, cause some more havoc at another positions around the defensive line. Like looking at Kentucky, like. Nick, if you'd have told me last year that Rogers, after the year, was leaving the was leaving for the portal, uh, but I would have thought they probably would, could have been fine because you know oh, you still got Josiah Hayes there, yeah. So you could probably absorb that, but he just totally fell out of the rotation at the end of the year. He missed two games this year randomly: the Ole Miss game and the Vanderbilt game. So I don't really know what's going on with him. It seemed like he was maybe in the proverbial doghouse. Jamarius Dinkins, I think, flashed Nick, but he's still got to add some he's, weight. Yeah, and, and that's that's why it would have actually timed out perfectly if Rodgers took around for another year because it's usually three year, two two and a half years or so before you kind of elevate. Yeah. He's on year two. And uh, he, was and it, it him or it was Saunders who got injured, not Dinkins, but yeah. Saunders, yeah. yeah. And then but, it, it stings that you missed out on Jacob Lacey even more now. Yeah, because that he's a plug and play. That's it. Then you that's your starter right there. Yeah. You're fine. So uh that I'm also wondering too if there is uh, if there is a path forward for Rogers to return or not. it doesn't seem like it, but you know if he's already got these visits scheduled and uh, this many this many teams are showing interest, I think it's a done deal. Yeah. I think the way for this to maybe have worked for him was not for him not to get the interest, but he's getting the interest. Mm-hmm. And I think you probably hit it. He probably doesn't want to be a zero technique anymore. So he wants to maybe go somewhere where he doesn't have to play zero technique. Yeah. Uh, I think the, that that's where it's at. And then maybe, you know, he wants to get fin- financially compensated too. Mm-hmm. So that's probably part of the, the package for whoever gets him. But, think it was clear that he probably didn't want to play nose anymore and he probably originally planned to only be at Kentucky for three years anyway. So he's probably thinking, you know, this was the plan originally. I'm just going to go somewhere mm-hmm. and try my luck somewhere else for a year and see how it goes. Yep. Um, best of luck to him. Um, we're, we're in a whole new world uh, now, as we've said plenty of times before. Um, but it is, uh, it is just different. It's, 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 it's different right now. And um, I, th- I think to my, my other point, though, is I, I hope that like, you're going to have these when you talk about you kind of list them out, right? You're 15, 20 guys or whatever. I just hope that you don't have to re-litigate the, and, and, and redo your, your nil deals every single year. And because like, that, that, that just – that feels unsustainable for yeah. Kentucky compared to the big guys. Um, because like it, there is just uh, eventually a point where the haves just gobble up the have nots and yeah, no offense to Kentucky fans, but we aren't, we aren't exactly a half in college football. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Um, this is all, we're all trying to figure out like what the market rate is, what, you know, this and that, yeah, but yeah, but you having to re-recruit players and sign new deals and get them more money every offseason is going to be tough, right? Mm-hmm. 
plus you know you got to recruit high schoolers, and so that that makes things difficult and hairy a little bit. You just gotta we really have to have your ducks in a row financially too, and you got to have your collectives in place. And it sounds like Kentucky has theirs now, and it's the wheels are in motion, and that thing is doing its job. And so you got to hope they keep headed down the right path. But first things first, you got to win games. You know, we could talk about this collective and all of that, but you got to win on Saturdays. It's neat. That needs to be your problem, right? Like you good players want to play there. You know, you're trying to keep them. That needs to stay a problem. If that's staying a problem, good things are happening. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. Um, look at what else do we want to discuss on this edition of 11 personnel? Um, besides shouting out our friends at justice dental, shout out justice dental. Shout out. JD. Any, yeah. uh, national title picks, Nick. Dude, how great was that uh, Tulane game? That was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. USC. So I, Michael Mark, Pratt is staying at Tulane. Didn't need man. him in the SEC. No, did not need him in the SEC. But, like, USC, they are just – Lincoln. I, 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 no, I should say this. Lincoln Raleigh is just the most Lincoln Raleigh that's ever Lincoln Raleighed. I can't Remember when Alex Grinch, we thought he was going to be like a head coaching commodity? Yeah. That guy, dude, he couldn't stop a runny nose. Yeah, now you're now you're wondering, is it something with Riley and his organization and his system? Is that the reason why they aren't good on defense? But I do think it's safe to say, like, they rebuilt that whole team with transfers. And it's just hard. Defensive, it's harder defensively to do that than it is. Well, especially offense. because it's, it's assignment based, it's alignment based. Like, it's one thing to drop a bunch of plays, it's another thing to have everybody working and playing yeah. and being interconnected with one another. Yeah, not no, not being super familiar with USC's personnel and only seeing them play a couple times this year seems like talent and just bo- having bodies on the defensive line is an issue, like we just talked about. They don't have quality linemen, and so if mm-hmm. you don't have that, it's hard to play defense. And you got to get that through recruiting. And so they haven't been there long enough to really do that. You know, and a lot of their best players on defense were transfers. And so they got to kind of rebuild that through recruiting. So I think it was probably expected for them to be bad on defense. Um, they just ended up being in some bigger games than I think they thought they were going to be in, right? Like the Pac 12 championship, Cotton Bowl. Mm-hmm. They ended up being like that was, they overachieved, I thought, this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's also because Caleb Williams is just amazing. Yeah, Riley. Uh, so he's such a good play caller that yeah. they just are able to outscore teams. Um, speaking of play callers, Darren Henshaw back in the saddle. Yeah, with the Gus bus. He's it's not a good call job plays, for though, him. Yeah, Gus calls plays. Yeah, Henshaw has been like the number two everywhere he's been at Kentucky. Obviously, Cincinnati uh-huh. before that. Yep. This year he went to UAB as an analyst. Bill Clark resigns. They promote offensive coordinator Brian Vincent. I believe Vincent still called plays this year. So Henshaw was, the num- Henshaw was the number two there, and he's going to be Gus's number two. So he's always been that. Like, I don't know if he's ever called plays in his career. Yeah. That, but you know what? He gets to go back. Like, he's at his alma mater. He's the – Big 12 offensive coordinator, man. That's – that's yeah. good for him where his career was after, you know, Kentucky fired him. You had to wonder if he was ever going to get back to a position similar, and now he is in that one just a few years later. So that's a good he was, good little career break for him or opportunity, I should say. Yeah, because, I mean, he even did it, had to do a QC stint there, right? Yeah, I mean, he was an analyst at 
UCF. He left after one year with an analyst at UAB, and then, and then now he's gets to be offensive. Now coordinator. he's an offensive coordinator for a Big Twelve team. Like, good that's for you, a Henshaw. Good pretty job. good career opportunity for him. Not too shabby. Um, a couple other quick hitters. Um, oh yeah, my wife just knew that Ohio State was going to blow that. She was like the whole entire game knew she was going to just was like, "There's no way they're gonna they're gonna blow this." And me just whooped from. Uh, the bowl game and everything driving back and I, I wasn't feeling great. So I was all drugged up and I was like trying not to doze off that guy getting open for the 76 yard touchdown. I, I, I could, that, that's, that'll keep you awake. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe they did that, but I just did not see that coming from CJ Stroud. I still had, had bet them to win it all, which Ohio state would be the favorite or no, they probably wouldn't be favored over TCU. Would they? Yeah, they would. They would have been favored over Michigan, I think. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. What but that man, for Stroud to play that well and for them to lose that game, it just whew. Yeah, I mean, they just it kind of caught some bad luck with Stover and Harrison going out. Yeah. That's if they have Harrison thing. on that last possession, they probably get into much more makeable field goal range. Right, right. Yeah. I'm with you on that. But is is Georgia like I Feels like to me like the 2014 national championship um, with Oregon. Oregon just kind of overwhelmed. Um, they overwhelmed trying to Florida State and Jameis. Oh, and he had the, the Rose Bowl backwards Rose Bowl you know, fumble. Yeah. Everyone is talking about how we're going to have our first new national champion in a long time. And they come out and they ran like more of a, like a hybrid defense, and they just came out and Ohio State just ran for like 300 yards and the game was never even close. I, I, I kind of think it's going to play out like that with Georgia. I do just worry about betting against the, the Horn Frogs though. <laughs> the they, just keep, they, they really have, it's remarkable how they find ways in the, like yeah, the, done it all year. the 76 yard touchdown that uh, Johnson had, you know, like just like right when you Michigan gets it, cuts it within three, you think that TCU is going to fold and then boom. So uh, you got to – yeah. it's it's so crazy that it was Mark Stoops or Sonny Dykes was really – like mm-hmm. Dykes was the most memorable second of that coaching search. And Sonny wasn't really great. He, he got hired by Cal, got, ended up getting fired there after not doing much, and then hangs around at SMU for a couple of years before finally getting this job and just uh, – it's crazy that he's coaching a national championship game. Yeah, I mean, Cal fired him not too long ago. <laughs> Yeah, like four years ago. It's crazy. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was. it's a crazy story. I mean, good for them. And now mm-hmm. you look at TCU in the 12-team format, they're they're situated to be in a really good spot. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if the Big 12 stays, the conference, conference champs getting in every year. You know, if you can win that, you're getting there. So, I think TCU, man, you got to be feeling really good. And to do this without Patterson, I think, is a big deal for them, too. Because Patterson was TCU football, yeah, in a lot of ways. And oh, I mean, it, he was there for like twenty years, you know. And so, for them to do it with Dykes here, I think it's pretty big deal. And, that's and then I feel for I with... feel for SMU. Oh God, yeah. Because they are yeah. rivals; they are heated rivals in the same in the both in the Metroplex. Dallas Fort Worth, yep. SMU because they got in trouble has just been blackballed by all these Texas schools. Like they weren't, they couldn't ever, they couldn't get in the Big Twelve. They didn't put them in the Big Twelve because they're going through all the crap. 
Um, they still couldn't get in the new Big 12. They wouldn't let them in. I don't think it was like they were. They didn't really even consider them. And SMU was a team that's had like national championship success before. SMU's a team they see themselves on the same kind of level as TCU. Now they're seeing TCU go to national championship. I think that's that has to be pretty tough on them. And then they're still stuck in the American. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I mean, and for TCU to rise up through, like, I mean, they were a huge Conference USA rival with Louisville. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, them and TCU were in the same boat then, right? Like, after the Big Eight, or not the Big Eight, excuse me, Southwest Conference fell apart. Yeah. And now they're seeing TCU like TCU gets a Big Twelve bid. TCU is makes the playoff as the first Texas team to make the playoff. TCU's playing for a national championship on Monday. That's got to be crazy. It's tough. Yeah, yeah. And then like 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 I mentioned, TCU's in this great position to maybe go on a run here and really kind of assert itself as maybe a power a future powerhouse program in college football, just because they got into the Big Twelve you know, 12 years ago. And then SMU still couldn't get into it again when they reshuffled. It's got to be tough. I mean, they're both private schools in greater Dallas. There's not that much difference between both of them. Both of them got a lot of freaking money. Mm-hmm. That, that's got to – that's tough. Yeah. It, whew. You can talk about some big brother, little brother syndrome. Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of moving around, though, uh, there are players moving in this week. Early enrollees are getting there. And we actually have uh, – the, the open recruiting period for the transfer portal resumes this weekend. So, uh, Yeah, the, the transfer – the windows, it's open until January 18th where players can enter the transfer portal. So we have a couple more weeks where players can jump in. Um, and who knows, maybe Kentucky tries to add another two, one or two. We haven't heard anything like that. Um, if there was a position to add, where would it be? Yeah, I wrote about this today on KSR. I think backup quarterback still. Something they really need to consider addressing. Offensive tackle. Right tackle. Obviously. Yeah. I think find another guy that can play nose. Mm-hmm. Plays Rogers to give you another body there. And then like no one's talking about kicker, Nick. What are they doing to kicker? I don't know. They got a bunch of them. Who's gonna kick it though? Like is Chance Poor coming back? Is he just going to be the kickoff specialist again? What's like we haven't heard a peep out of Jackson Smith really since he no. arrived. No. What's his kind of status? Jay Bullwears here, new special teams coach. Are they going to they get a kicker? That, they got that kid from Trinity too, right? Isn't he a kicker? Not yeah, they sure. got a kid. They got a kid from Trinity. Or no, he actually he's a punter. I'm okay, sorry. but yeah, I, I know one thing though. Stoops is pretty confident in Jay Bullwear. So. Yeah. Figured out. So that's where. that's that to me. Like that's an important position. Like, yeah, what are they doing yeah. a kicker? Ruffalo's been the Ruffalo's been the yeah. Ruffalo's been the primary kicker here since 2020, I think. Yes, he's been a long time. Yeah, finished his career uh, fifth in school history in points. So good fellow, third all time in uh, punts per, per yards per punt. So 
Yeah, I, I've definitely been diving into the numbers for the season long stats. Not as fun to do after a seven and six season as it is a nine and three season. But yeah, they, yeah, that's uh, why they pay especially when the. Bucks. I mean, Nick, 20, 20, I think it was 20.4 points per game. Kentucky ended up with that was the lowest total since 2012. And we know how bad the 2012 season was. Joker Phillips gets fired season. Vanderbilt 40 to nothing season. God bless. And yet, and you know what, though? It was good enough because the defense only gave up 19.2 points per game. It's crazy. It was just Kentucky was Iowa this year. And it didn't have to be. And you that. never want to be Iowa. Didn't have to be that In way. This way, all defense, no offense. Can I also just say too that it? Um, I know we bust Ryan's chops a lot about how much he talks about Dane Key, but dude, Dane when he was on, he was really freaking on this year. Dane was good. I mean, he was so good for. I think He's so person. solid, so good. Like because normally they struggle with physicality, and that dude just no problem. Yeah. No problem. The only problem was just getting it to him enough, which, you know, that that's going to be another offseason. Keep Leary healthy. Hopefully that's not an issue. 2023. Yep. Keep keep Devin Leary healthy. Keep him slinging it around. We got plenty of time to talk about 2023, but we've at least set the table here on 11 personnel. Adam Luckett, have yourself a great day. We got uh, the final week, the NFL regular season. So, uh, and then thoughts and prayers, Demar Hamlin. Yeah, man. Scary oh. stuff Monday. Very scary. Very scary. So, Some of the preliminary reports seem promising. So hopefully that keeps trending in the right yep, direction. Keep keep trending in the right direction, Demar. You got this. Also, he was. People aren't talking about it. He was kicking all kinds of ass. Like just like they're they want to talk about him as the person. The player was awesome too. He had ninety one tackles this year as a yeah. six round draft pick. Yeah, he's a good player. Man. Just the so, routine tackle, too. I just can't. That's the hardest part. Yeah. So routine. It, whew. Just Football. a routine, like physical tackle. We love it, man, but it's uh, it's scary. And Monday yeah. night, that, I, I, I don't know about you, but we I, we were all glued to our TVs. Just hoping and praying he was pulling through. So tomorrow, Yeah, it was very much shell-shocked for me. Just Obviously, I was pretty pumped for that game. And just like. And the, the environment was awesome on TV. And then it was just like, you know, you're waiting for, like, he falls down and it's just like, you think oh, that was just an injury. Like, yeah, they go to break. He, you think they come back and then he's like, he's waving. like, and then he, or he's either that or he's got up, he's in the injury tent or yeah. it just never, it never, it just, that, that never happened. You're just like, oh, like, this is really bad. And then you start putting, putting it all together. And it was just, yeah, crazy. Crazy, scary. Yep. And uh, as somebody said, the NFL doesn't have a handbook for this, um, especially when the stakes were as high as they were in that game. Um, as far as playoff seating and all that. So who knows what yeah, they'll figure I don't, out. I don't, yeah, they're going to have to make a decision here soon. I would imagine they just count it as like a tie, right? I think they're going to – there's been a theory float out, like they're going to no contest it. And then they might do like a – like some type of random number generator to, to, between the Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals about who would get the top three seeds. Because would they, they would would they be tied with winning percentage without that game? Well, the thing is, like if the Bills would have won out, they would have got the number one seed, right? Because they would have had they would have had the same record as the Chiefs if the Chiefs but wins win. over both of them. But 
Yeah. Yeah, and they would have had a head-to-head win over the Chiefs. Like, they would have had the same record as the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And they had the head-to-head win. Now, if the Bengals would have won, the Bengals' old tiebreakers over the Chiefs and Bills for head-to-head. Um, but they would likely got the number two seed because the Chiefs were presumably going to beat the Raiders on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of messes with everything. And then you throw in the fact that the Bengals haven't locked up the North yet. Like, they still – it's crazy. Got to win a game. Like the Ravens are only, they were a game behind or half a game behind going in. And so they would, they would have either been tied or and the Bengals lost to the Ravens already. So like, there's a lot, like there's a lot of things I think they got to kind of figure out. Well, and, and also this is only what the second year without two buys or the third, but it's, it's it, that, that buy is much more important when there's only one of them, you know? Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know if that's, the case, or I think it's a pretty recent development, though. They what's really stings here is it happens so late, right? Like if this was week five, they could have figured out a way to play this game. Yeah, but it's week seventeen. But it's week seventeen, and there's all this at stake, and they don't want to. They don't want to change the playoff schedule. That playoff schedule is locked in. Mm-hmm. They want to keep it there. They want to have the bye before the Super Bowl, so they can. Ramp that thing up and yep. pump it up for the Super Bowl. Yeah, it just gets tough. I just don't know what they're going to do. It's going to be very interesting um, because it just had, depends on how they do it. Because then if you get into all the weird tiebreaker, it just could get wonky. Like, I think it yeah. could be in some scenarios where the Chiefs could end up getting the three seed um, because of all this. It's just – it's crazy. Yeah, it really is. It really is. But as we said, the most importantly, DeMar, get back on your feet. We're, we're all thinking about you. Um, man, what a surreal experience that was, mm-hmm. uh, especially after such a big football day, you know, where you had some of the early Broa games. We had such a great moment, Mississippi State winning for Mike Leach. So, yeah, uh, that was that was that was amazing, too. And to cover the way they did. Oh, what a cover. What a cover. Um, which I look at. Did you do all right bowl season? <laughs> yeah, I will. Say, all right. I just one word to put. I lost, right. I think, like three or four money line bets by a point. Literally yeah. a point. I mean that and that's just that's tough. Yeah. That's tough. And then like the North Carolina, Ohio State. But they were one of the entire game. Until the yeah. end. But literally both of them. I, that is just that is uh, that's why, that's why you don't bet money lines. You take the you get points. You take the points. Just take the points. Just take the points. Well, we hope you all uh, enjoy the football this weekend. There are days of watching the football are numbered, uh, but we appreciate you all following along with us, uh, tuning in on YouTube and listening to Eleven Personnel all year long. For Adam Luggett, I'm Nick Roush. Go Cats and go Kroger. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. Exploreminnesota.com slash live.